Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello, welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest, Miss Melissa Riley, who is a mom of two boys. She's a clinical psychologist and a parent coach who is passionate about helping moms who are separated from their mother by physical distance, estrangement, or death, moving from feelings of insecurity, isolation, and overwhelm to a place of resilience. Through her personal and professional experience, she has come to recognize that moms without a mom experience grief as part of their motherhood experience, even if they don't realize it. The relationship moms have had or didn't have with their mothers impacts how they see themselves, but it doesn't define them. Welcome, Melissa. How are you today? Thank you, Nikki. I am doing really well today. Awesome. So we'll go before we kind of get into that. I'm very intrigued by your story and the whole aspect of mothering without a mom. Let's do my icebreaker round. So what is your favorite book or one you would like to recommend? Well, my favorite series of books actually is Harry Potter. I've I've read them like a million times. So um, I love fiction. So especially easy to consume fiction. It is easy to consume. I've I've done some of the self-help books, some business books, mm-hmm. and I do enjoy them, but I, I do enjoy them. But there's maybe, no, I was going to say, I think all of them I've left at different parts and come back. But a fiction book, oh man, I can finish a fiction book in like a whole day if it's a big one. Yeah, so I'm with you. Um, what are the values that guide you and your family? Um, I think our primary values, one is compassion mm-hmm. and care for one another and um togetherness, right? We work as a family unit. And so we're there to support each other. I love it. How has motherhood transformed you? Oh, it has transformed me in pretty big ways. Um, one, of, one of the main ways is not necessarily confidence per se, but the need to see myself as uh, the, the leader and the go-to person for my son. So even if I'm anxious or uncomfortable with something, I need to just be able to push through that and, and, and get it done. And I think to me, that's one of the toughest things about motherhood, parenthood in general, cause I know dads, I mean, they, you know, a lot of times you're talking the mother aspect, but fathers too is like parenting through our own stuff and unpacking mm-hmm. it. And even if we're scared and have to sometimes play it off, I do think it's it's okay to let children know certain things depending on the age, like no mommy mm-hmm. gets scared too or whatever. But for the most part of being like, you know, not going crazy and being the calm, strong one, even though inside you're like, ah, but such is life. So, and it takes a village to raise a child and uplift a mother who and what has or has been or currently is a part of your motherhood village. Uh, first and foremost is my uh, beloved aunt. You know, she is much more like a sister to me. And um, without her, I would be lost. And then I have a very supportive and uh, nurturing uh, faith community that is absolutely my my uh, go-to. And without them, I, I would be lost as well. 
I love that. So before we go into the journey of moms without a mom, or I guess you can um, speak on that too, because I was going to ask maybe some insight into how many children you have, but we'll go right into um, your motherhood journey. If you want to talk a little bit about that, and then I'm sure that's going to lead into moms without a mom. So why don't you talk a little bit about your motherhood journey? All right. Well, I first became a mother when I married my husband. He had a son who was um, had just turned four years old. So uh, our oldest uh, was born to his previous wife. Um, and I very quickly started becoming pregnant. And unfortunately, um, I had three miscarriages um, right in a row. And then um, during my fourth pregnancy, it was a medically fragile pregnancy, not surprising given my three prior losses. I went into preterm labor at 26 weeks. And wow. so the remainder of my pregnancy, uh, I was on bed rest. I was in and out of the hospital um, because the it never stopped. Um, but thankfully, despite only being given a 10% chance of carrying him to full term, um, I was able to carry him to 37 weeks oh, and wow. deliver him safely. And um, he is my my son. So nice. um, it was a difficult journey, but I am also a later in life mom. So he was born just days shy of my 38th birthday. Wow. And how old is he now? He's 11. Wow. So you have an 11 year old. Okay. So talk a little bit about that. Cause you don't look like you have an 11 year old. Cause you said you had him at 38. So I'm like, okay, love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I had my son um, at 34. So I understand that, you know, later in life and it, you mm -hmm. were a geriatric pregnancy, weren't you? Well, thankfully they never used that term. Really? So, oh, cause they, I've heard it being it used. Advanced like, maternal. Yeah. Advanced maternal uh, age was used, but okay. yeah, I, I don't think I would have tolerated that. Oh. Because I find that very insulting. <laughs> right. If it's maternal age, I'm okay with. Yes. And and I'm glad you said that because I think, yeah, I, I've thought about that because when my husband and I have, have spoken about possibly prior to now, I think we're one and done of having another one. Um, I was like, wait, what is that considered? And I was talking to someone, they're like, yeah, geriatric. And I'm like, well, that, what, huh? Mm -hmm. um, but I like that. I like that advanced maternal, which is what it is, you know? So, wow. So you become a, you have a bonus baby, right? So you have, you become mm -hmm. a mom, stepmommy too, which is uh, the wonder years of, I think that four-year-old yes. thing which I'm sure yes. now that you have an 11 year old to know to go from newborn to the mm -hmm. full. So you're right in that thick of it. And then, you know, you have the, um, the three miscarriages, unfortunately, and now you have your, your miracle baby. Cause that is amazing to say that you mm -hmm. were on the cusp of that and to go through. So, wow. Now you're 11 years in, where does the moms without a mom come in and how did that, you know, lead you, I guess, with your motherhood journey mm -hmm. to create it and what does it mean to be a mom without a mom? Okay. So when I was um, pregnant and when my son was first born, that period in my life was, was one of the most difficult times. Hmm. I struggled so much, Nikki, and was shocked by it. Um, here I am, you know, 38 years old. Uh, had been a psychologist, uh, owned my own practice, 
you know, um, was on my own, confident as who I was as a, as a woman. And once I gave birth, I felt utterly alone, inadequate, insecure about everything, and truly felt like I didn't know what I was doing and didn't um, have anybody or I didn't feel like I had anybody to turn to. And it was at that, I didn't realize at the time, but what was happening is I was having a significant resurgence in grief over not having a mom in my life. So my mother had passed away when I was 25. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, she had not been a part of, you know, any of my pregnancies, but she also wasn't a part of my marriage and other um, significant life changes. Mm -hmm. So again, I, I, I wasn't expecting to have such a difficult time. And unfortunately, what happens is, is when you aren't able to recognize or label or identify what you're going through, mm-hmm. you have a tendency to internalize it as, as meaning something's wrong with you. And that's exactly what I felt. I felt like, what in the world is wrong with me that I'm struggling so bad? Mm-hmm. Why is it that I can't seem to get my stuff together? Why is it that I feel like I don't know anything, even though... I had knowledge. Sure. I mean, I, I taught human development at the master's level. I mean, like, like I had the knowledge, but I, it, 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 I felt so incompetent. And may I interject there? So when mm-hmm. you say, because that is such a good point, because you are a, a clinical psychologist, correct? Right. Yeah. So tell me how does that work if you can high level of saying, you know, because to your point, you know, you go through your, you have a master's in this, you've, you've done all the research. How does that disconnect from you learning about A, but then you're going through B? Where does that come from? And have you realized what that disconnect was? Well, the disconnect was I was grieving. And that's you're the still grieving so long I and was... not realizing that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, grief, grief never goes away, right? There's acute stages of grief. But when we have the loss of someone in our life, um, we continue to grieve. And sure. even though I, I, I knew that, I didn't recognize that what I was feeling was actually grief. So I knew I was vulnerable to postpartum. Um, and so I just kind of chalked it up to typical postpartum stuff. Sure. But what was happening was I wasn't, I didn't have um, the go-to person that most women have uh, with regards to their mom. I, I felt embarrassed by some of the things I was experiencing or the things that I didn't know. And so I didn't really know who to ask. And frankly, there were times I didn't know I didn't know something. Sure. Well, you, know, you don't know I, until you know. You don't know until you become a mom how you're going to be a mom. You exactly. Don't know exactly. What's going to surface, never... right? What's going to surface from that? At, right. Exactly. Right. And being, and you know, the friends of mine that had had children, I mean, their children were teenagers and young adults at that point. Yes. Right. And so, again, I was kind of out of sync. (laughs) Of course. Um, Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have any, like I said, I I didn't have a mom to share any of this with. I, I, you know, I I also didn't have any other female family beyond my aunt. Um, But she lived, you know, two hours, uh, just shy of two hours away from me. So there was nobody. And I was going to ask that because I know you had mentioned your aunt. So I was going to say, you know, since your mother did pass when you were 25, who was that kind of 
woman figure in your life that still helped you through some moments. And I know you had mentioned your aunt, but I guess to your point, she's far away. So you don't really have that connection to say, hey, you needing someone right there or grandma can come or whatever that looks like for you. Right. Exactly. So I didn't have that built in. So I had to create it. And um, that, that was part of my impetus for then, you know, really wanting to work with other moms that don't have a mom was to help them learn how to build their mom community because, um, again, there isn't that built-in support that most sure. have from a mom. And how long was that time frame between you realizing, oh, this is what it is, right? I'm still grieving the loss of my mom. I don't have a mom. All of these feelings are surfacing. I'm experiencing all of these things. What was that time frame on before you created them, Moms Without a Mom, and developing the services or the, the things that you, quote unquote, provide for women who are, you know, moms without a mom? Years. It was wow. at least um, five years before um, I started to be able to reflect on what was going on. I mean, part of that was... You know, when my son was two, we, um, uh, he was diagnosed with a number of neurological uh, concerns. So life was just very, very busy. So here I have a, a child that's got special needs and I'm alone, right? So I was just overwhelmed with sure. feeling alone. And I didn't have time to really reflect on, on what that meant um, or the impact that it was having on me until much later. Um, and so in my clinical practice, I, I work a with a lot of moms, um, you know, with anxiety and depression and, and things of that nature. And one of the things that I started um, seeing um, was this common thread among the, the clients that I had that were mothers that didn't have a mom, that there were some significant uh, distinctions among these women. Okay. And uh, so that's when I started kind of thinking a lot about yeah, you know, that there are differences. There's unique features that make this process different and in, in some ways more challenging. And um, so being the nerd that I am, I did some research and started kind of looking up uh, information. And unfortunately, there's very little um, out there talking specifically about moms without a mom. And so that's when I decided that I would... Um, um, fill that gap, fill that need sure. to, to help those women. So let me ask, are moms without moms more likely than to experience more mental health issues or to feel the inadequacy, the unworthiness, not confidence? Like what did you find on one aspect that you say, okay, there's this common denominator, if you will, as mm -hmm. you are in your own practice realizing this. And two, is there a significant difference of, let's say women who lost their mother by death or a woman who never really knew their mom, like maybe are there differences there or is there just, you don't have a mom and you're experiencing this? Absolutely. So I define um, a mom without a mom as being any woman who doesn't have the support and guidance of a loving mom in her day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. So that includes okay. um, women who've lost their mom by death, um, that have an emotional estrangement, or perhaps even just live far away from their mother. And the sure. reason that I include all three of those categories is because they're, um, they have three things in common. One is there is a grief process. So, I mean, that's kind of obvious if, if your mother has died, right? Sure. But 
Um, for those women who don't have a close emotional relationship with their mom, there's a grief there as well because let's face it, we all want to have um, uh, you know a mom helping us through that process. And if our mother isn't supportive and loving, we still miss having that. Sure. Right? So so there's that grief process there, and then the there's also grief for the moms that are separated by distance because there's that that missing. I don't have what I want and I wish you were here, right? Sure. So there's the the grief. The second piece is that um, there isn't a go-to person that a mother typically um, functions as. So moms without a mom in all three of those categories need to actively build their community in ways that a, a mom that has a mom in their life doesn't. And then the third characteristic is some difficulties creating their sense of who they are as a mom, or what I like to call their mom identity. So who are we as a mom? We we learn about ourselves based on the relationships we have in life. And so when our mom is absent or unhealthy in some way, mm-hmm. it complicates our sense of who are we as we're becoming the same role as that person. And so that can create some some struggles. Now, with regards to whether a mom without a mom has more mental illness or not, there isn't any real solid research to indicate whether there is or isn't. But like I said, those three characteristics are the things that I'm seeing and, and, um, uh, you know, notice. Now, anytime there's a significant loss or trauma or, or distress, Um, or any lack of support in a mom's life, that can increase their vulnerability to postpartum depression, but also depression or anxiety at other times in their life as well. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if moms without a mom have a higher rate of of those uh, conditions, but there isn't the research available uh, to indicate that. I got you. And that's exactly what I was going to say of being clear when I say mental health issues is more like are, you know, they more likely possibly to get the postpartum depression? Are they a little bit more? Um, And I would imagine to your point, if maybe someone did, and I know you say you're always grieving, but if someone kind of tackled it on earlier, maybe really made amends with it, you know, and I guess you, again, it goes to your point, but you don't know until you have a child of what that's going to look like for you. You can possibly do all the work. Do Oh, yep. I've made peace mm-hmm. with it. I'm okay with it until you then are there. And you're like, oh, wait, I didn't feel this. Now I do want to ask. So my grandmother was bedridden for a very long time. She had rheumatoid arthritis. And you said something that kind of triggered this question um, on a personal aspect. So she had rheumatoid arthritis. And from a little girl, my mother had to basically take care of her in, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I think, goodness, by the time I came around, I remember my grandmother still being in a wheelchair. She could at least get out of bed to go into a wheelchair. When my mom was little, I think she had a cane, but still, she always struggled with some health issues. So my mother was cooking earlier. My mom was doing things. So I kind of now fast forward in hindsight of looking at her journey, like I wonder if there's that grieving process that she might have had because she had to 
pick up where her mother lacked, right? And like I said, and by the time I came, I there I remember her in a wheelchair, but then there was a lot I remember of her being completely bedridden. Um, so my mother had to balance two households. She couldn't go. So maybe talk, what have you seen of that experience? Um, because I would love to talk to my mom about that when we do talk. Right. Well, there's a lot of energy that it takes to get support, right? Many of us, you know, it, it, it isn't easy to ask for help. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. often we think we worry about being a burden if we ask others for help. And we, yes. we as women often have the sense of, you know, we need to be able to take all. care of our family and do it all. Um, and if we don't, then there's something wrong with us. Right. Sure. Um, but that isn't that isn't true. We aren't biologically designed to meet every need that our family sure. has. So we survive as a species by coming together in community and assisting each other. And so when we don't have built-in supports, we have to create that, right? And again, there's, there's energy that goes into needing to create that. And that's all well and good, right? I've created my community and, and there are people that I, I think everybody should have in their community. But it's that it's an underlying um, resource drain. And so it becomes really important for moms that don't have a mom that they recognize that, that, that it is hard, right? If you get tired easily or you find yourself irritable, it's because your resources are getting drained. Sure. Right? There's this underlying um, need to be on point, to take care of things. Um, and so it does become draining. And so you need to add and replenish where you can. A hundred percent. And I will be clear, obviously my mother had a mother, but there's mm-hmm. still that aspect where she had to fill in of playing both Absolutely. roles. Obviously she could physically talk to her and I'm sure she mm-hmm. had moments to, to say about her own personal things, but she still didn't have certain aspects that were right. lacking. So I just want to be clear there. Yeah. Um, what are some things that women now listening or watching this can do if they are experiencing grief or, you know, this is bringing up some things for them um, if they are in that position? What are some things that they can do? Well, first of all, I, I want your listeners to know that it is normal. Grief is just a normal part of the human experience. And um our culture does not deal with it very uh, adaptively. So there's this sense of, you know, getting over it. Um, And we never, like I said, get over it. It, It's, it's with us. And so, and it can get re-triggered at times when we don't expect, right? And so, so for example, if if you lost your mother uh, as a child, when your child becomes the age, you know, that you were when, when you lost her, um, you may notice yourself becoming a little more irritable or short. You may notice some additional areas of sadness or um, a sense of fear or urgency. And that can all be because there's, there's a, a grief that's, that's bubbling up again. Um, and so first is recognize, right? Okay, well, this might be grief, you know? And, and so then just being compassionate and kind with oneself becomes really important. The other thing that I think is really important is to um, express your grief, be able to share your stories, find people that are open to hearing those stories. Um, 
you know, and that are comfortable enough that they aren't changing the subject because a lot of people are uncomfortable with grief. And, and so they'll be quick to try and cheer you up or change the subject, um, try and get you to see the bright side of things. And they're just doing that because they care, right? Sure. But unfortunately, that typically isn't helpful and can really feel invalidating. So look for and find those that are comfortable and can hear those stories. And if you struggle with that, you know, reach out. I, I'm happy to help with that. Um, but you can write those stories down. You can make uh, voice recordings and memos. Um, and the other thing that I think is really helpful is I, I love to, to write letters. Um, and I do this in a journal. And I have ongoing conversations, right? Just ongoing conversations with those that I've lost or those that um, uh, I'm no longer connected with because I've had to disconnect because of um, it's not an emotionally healthy relationship. I just have ongoing um, conversations that just stay in the journal. Uh, and it's a way to just kind of express and, and let it go. Because once it's out in the universe, then you can do something with it. When it's in your head, it just takes up space. Just take it. That's such a good point. I feel like it, gosh, yeah, the analogy of that, because yeah, it just takes up space. And I feel like it just adds the pressure, right? You mm -hmm. saying that I can really see it just pressure. But once you kind of release, it just sets. I mean, I know even for myself, when I plan my week or whatever that is, and I have to release and kind of brain dump, dump, as I call it, it just feels so good. And I, I even myself can get a better night's rest because I feel like all the stuff in my head of what I have to do for this or that is on paper and not mm -hmm. stuck in my head. So I love that advice. Um, obviously it's called the motherhood village podcast. So I really believe that it takes a village. And I, I said not only to raise a child, but to uplift a mother. I think that's super important. I think starting from mama is key. Then everything else can trickle down. Uh, how do you recommend moms um, maybe possibly getting help or ways that they can get support in creating their village. I know you said that your faith community, what are some ways if they don't have a mother or mother figure who they can depend on or is who their go-to person is? I think there are four people or four categories of people that every mom should have, but especially moms without a mom. And so first um, person I like to call a wise woman. So this okay. is somebody that knows things and she's very generous in um, giving out that knowledge. So you can ask her questions. She will give advice. Um, she just knows a lot of things. And like I said, this can be friends or it can be professionals. It can be um, uh, people online. So for me, my son's um, nursery school teachers were wise women for me because they provided me with a lot of information and I could always ask them questions. So having a wise woman, very important. The second person I like to call is the emotional supporter. And this is the person that's just really good at listening. So like I was saying earlier, they don't try to cheer you up. You know, they don't give advice. They just listen and they're comfortable with whatever emotion you're having. And I think we all need somebody like that. Yes. The third person um, I like to call the go-getter. And this is the person that is really good at getting things done. So you know, I think we all know people like this, like they have tons of energy and they've already done five different things by 9am in the morning, right? They're just yeah. really good at getting things done. Yes. That's not me, by the way, but, <laughs> um, and they typically are also very generous with their time because they're yeah. good 
at, at, at doing things. And so they're awesome. You, you need them to pick something up at the store. They do that. I got, you got you. some extra laundry, right? And so I think we all need a go-getter. And then the fourth person, uh, and this is especially important for moms that have babies, mm-hmm. is, a, is a late night talker. And so this is somebody that we can connect with um, at any time. And that's becoming easier now in the digital age um, yes. because, you know, we can we can message, we can, um, you know, Voxer or, you know, sure. those other things. People all over the world and in different groups, you know, Facebook groups or other communities, we can send messages and, and get returns at any time. So it's becoming easier. But I... I think for moms without a mom, we need those four people. We have to actively seek them out because for for some, their mom can fit all of those roles. But most of us, Nikki, aren't all of those. Like I'm not a go-getter. You know, I still have laundry from three days ago in my washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> but I am, you know, a good listener, right? Gotcha. You know, and at this point, I, you know, I, I, I know things. So, so I can be a wise woman for people. Um, so... Know your friends' strengths, know what they're good at so that when you you need support and you're seeking out support, they can give it to you in a way that works for them. And the other recommendation that I have is finding four people, right? None of us bat an eyelash if a friend were to ask us to help them out for an hour once a month. I don't care how busy you are. So if you have four people, right? You have four people and, and you spread that out, then you've got one hour of help every week. And that really makes a big difference. Oh my God. I love that. And actually, I think it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day, the way you were breaking down the four women and thinking as I've gotten older, the different women I've been in my life and -hmm. what I've gravitated towards as I've gotten older and realizing, and of course we all change, but to your Mm -hmm. point, I think those four things are those four categories of people, descriptions, whatever you want to call it are key. And as you were saying them, I'm like, yeah, I think I kind of have that in my life. And, you know, I am very fortunate. Yes, I do have my mother, but yes, she can't fit all four of those things. You know, a lot of times I just call to say, hello, we don't really you know, it's that quintessential, yes, mom, uh-huh, you know, the still whatever, whatever. But that's, you know, that's what we do. That's our dynamic with it. But right. there are other women in my life um, that I've known very short amount of times, but we've clicked and they've become my sounding board for certain things. So I love that. And I think that's great advice. And I would also encourage women to ask for help. So I know you said to actively seek. We are very, very fortunate that we are in a digital age and even more so because even when I had my son four years ago, I'm sure you can say even with your son 11 years ago, the amount of Facebook groups that there are and things that there are on social media that are available are so amazing. Yes. But mamas ask for help seek out. Um, do not be ashamed because we've all been there. I'm sure mm-hmm. any woman that you can meet at some point has been through something to your point. Um, yes. So don't be afraid to ask for help, you know, seek it right. when you can. So with everything that you have with Moms Without a Mom, what is your mission overall? How are you hoping to impact your community of moms? And then maybe talk about services that you provide and how people can connect with you. Yes. So my mission is to let all moms that are out there that don't have a um, the guidance or support of a mom in their day-to-day life to, to know that what they're feeling is normal for us, um, that there are special circumstances and challenges that are unique 
to us. And so that there isn't something wrong with you because you're noticing that. So that's first and foremost that, that, you know, this is, this is real. There's something going on and you're okay. Right. It's hard and it's supposed to be hard. Um, And then the second piece of that is to help them um, build, you know, resilience, right. To help them create community to learn how to um, recognize who they are as a mom and to give them permission to go through the grief process as they need to um, so that they can recognize their strengths and feel good about who they are as a mom and, you know, be the best mom for their kiddos that they can be. I love that. So talk about also the services that you provide full scope Mm -hmm. and how they can connect with you. Um, well, first, I've got some pretty neat free guides that oh, I would love nice. your listeners yes. um, to have access to. So the first one is for moms with babies, and um, it's called the Care for Yourself While You Care for Your Baby uh, Guide. And this helps moms um, engage in self-care when they, when they can't separate themselves from their baby. Like, I didn't have, you know, I couldn't go get a spa day. There was nobody that would take my son. I didn't have anybody. So I had to figure out how to take care of myself with my son there. And so this guide has, um, I think, six of my favorite uh, ways of taking care of myself. And so I highly recommend that. The other one is for moms of all ages. And it is for moms that find themselves getting distracted um, by thoughts of their mom. And it's getting in the way of them... um, really enjoying their time with their kids. And so it's a, it's an easy strategy of how to um, help them really embrace their time in the moment. Um, So, so those are free. That's called the enjoy, uh, enjoy being a mom again, quick guide. And then I offer individual coaching um, both one month and three months. So uh, people can work with me um, so that they can build a community, feel good about who they are as a mom and um, go through the grief process in a way that feels um, healing to them. And um, I offer anybody, um, no uh, strings attached, a 30-minute uh, phone call with me. That's that's free. It's not a sales pitch. It's just truly I want to support women. And so, so that's available as well. And they can find me on my website um, at momswithoutamom.com. I'm on Instagram, um, also at Moms Without a Mom. Um, and I'm on Facebook um, okay. as well. Perfect. What do you do for your own self to release, reset, and recharge? How do you kind of, how does Melissa release, reset, recharge? I um, try and have fun every day. I play with my son a little bit, you know, every day, just a few minutes. I'm not a good player, but I, but I try to. <laughs> when you say play, you mean like video game play? Or whatever. Just it okay. can mean, mean uh, you know, it's whatever it is, you know, sure. it, it doesn't sure. matter. Um, so I try, I try and play, uh, but I also, I'm an introvert, so I like alone time. So I always need some quiet space to myself where I just kind of read. Um, I like going for walks and, and uh, praying. So those are how I recharge and reset. Love it. And what has been the best advice that has had the most impact on your life? Two things. One, get enough sleep. (laughs) And two, um, be unapologetically a mom. 
Oh, I love that. Be unapologetically a mom. Oh, that's so true. Like think of how many times that you've a mom, my own experience have been made to feel bad for mothering or whatever we're doing. Love that. Final thoughts to the podcast, YouTube, all the communities out there. You have the floor. I want you to know that you are seen, you have value and whatever you're going through, if there's any way that I can support you, just reach out. I'd be happy to do so. I love it, Melissa. It's been a pleasure having you on. Continued blessings to you for love and light. Take care. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.